and welcome to the first episode of the Twig and Biscuit podcast. I'm Christopher Hess, and I'm just giving this a go since, you know, we're just trying to make do with the best of a tough situation here. But I want to talk about something really fast. I mean, this is my first time cracking at a solo podcast, and I'm not really sure what to expect. I think it's going to be really, really beneficial in the long run. Rising senior at Penn State, a little bit about me. Um, I love college hockey. Uh, Once Penn State got a program in the 2012-2013 season, that's when I really started to follow it. And ever since then, I fell in love with the game, and here we are now. But being from Long Island, hockey is something that, you know, exists. It's popular, but I feel like it could be more popular, if that makes sense. And today I want to talk about something that really, I think, caught the entire college hockey world by surprise, was the announcement of Long Island University creating a hockey program at the men's ranks. So they already had a women's program, but now that they added a men's program, Long Island now has a men's and women's program that, quite frankly, I think you're tap, you have untapped potential there that it hasn't been around for long, that the men's program is only a little under two months old, but the women's program is a little over a year, I think you're reaching into a good market. And with that, let's just dive into what to expect and what we're looking at from a fundamental standpoint of the state of Long Island University hockey right now. So Brett Riley was named the head coach in the end of May. He was an assistant at Colgate in the 2019-2020 season. And This hire really was awesome, in my view, just because it wasn't his first time starting from scratch. So he built up the Wilkes University program from the ground up. And starting from the ground up is not an easy test. He had good success there, went to Colgate, had good success there under Coach Don Vaughn, and then it was his time to make an impact. And I think he's going to do well because he has the experience of starting from scratch and really getting his guys in there. And he's a third-generation coach, too. This guy lives and breathes hockey. His grandpa coached an army from 1950 through 1986, and his dad coached an army from 1988 through 2004, and his uncle has been the coach since 2004. So this is... Hockey is in Brett Riley's blood. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And this was a great, great hire for Long Island just to get their program started. They could have gone elsewhere, but this was a perfect hire with a guy with a proven track record. And I think, yes, it's going to take time because you go through growing pains regardless. New program, you're going to go through growing pains. That's a given. There's no other way around it. But I like this move. And I think they're destined for success. It's going to take time. Yes, I keep saying it's going to take time. But they are destined for success. Another thing I want to jump to is now we're going to ask the question of what comes next in regards to a rank, what conference they're joining, what's the state of the program? Because it's still just little under two months old. There's still a lot of question marks that need to be answered and addressed. So my thinking, my rationale here is that the Long Island area has an abundance of rinks that you could realistically choose from. The Barclays Center, because Long Island University has two campuses, one in Brooklyn and one in Brookville on Long Island. So you have the option of the Barclays Center, Northwell Health, 
which is where the Islanders practice facility is. Kaniag Park in Hicksville. Maybe you build a rink on campus if funding allows it later on. And the women's team plays at Northwell Ice Center in East Meadow and at Islanders Iceworks in Syosset. So you have options there of where you could play. You could bounce around there. And given the circumstances of what the Coliseum is going through right now, it's not the greatest of circumstances, but, you know, it would be cool that they end up playing there because the Long Island women's team played, I believe it was Wisconsin this past year at the Nassau Coliseum. And yeah, it was really cool because Long Island didn't have a hockey team. Now it does. And you brought in one of the elite women's programs to start to get that program up there. And yeah, Long Island got absolutely obliterated by Wisconsin, who is by far the best women's college hockey program, consistently one or two in the rankings and always fighting for a national championship. And that's a good way to start. You schedule these blue bloods and you put them in an NHL arena. That's how you get it started, that you have these opportunities to play in front of these good teams in a historic environment. There you go. You start from there. You get kids that are interested. You're like, hey, you have the opportunity to go play in the Nassau Coliseum where the Islanders play. You're playing on an NHL rink. Like, how cool is that? That's so cool. If I knew how to play hockey, learn how to skate at a young age and actually played, that would be a selling point for me as a kid coming up through the ranks. Like, that's really cool. I, get, I might get to play in an NHL arena. That would be awesome. And then another question that arises here is, what about funding? So you're still a relatively new program. What about funding? You got to find the money for your uniforms, your travel, all that other stuff. Coaches facilities and all that stuff, permits for renting out facilities since you don't have a home, an actual home rink on campus. Where Where is this money going to come from? Is it going to be donations, fundraising, university has money stashed away? Th these are all questions that need to be addressed at some point in some form or fashion. Yes, it's still very early, like I'd mentioned, still a new program, but you got to start thinking about these things immediately because like I'd mentioned earlier, this announcement caught even the biggest college hockey fanatics, although it's not a very small population of people that follow college hockey, it caught people by surprise. Because you heard rumors about, you know, Illinois, UNLV, maybe some other programs sort of scratching the surface and getting up there. But LIU? Where did this come from? Like, where they just sprung up out of nowhere and you're like, wow, they really just did that. Like, this is really cool, but they've got a tough, tough road ahead of them. And not only is there a question as to where they're going to play, it's who they're going to play and when. Because you think about this. It would make a heck of a lot of sense for them to join, let's say, the Atlantic Hockey Conference. Yes, it would. Atlantic Hockey already has 11 teams right now. And in all likelihood, they're holding out so that the 12th member could be Navy. Think about it. It makes almost too much sense because you already have two service academies in Atlantic hockey in Army and Air Force. Okay, perfect. You add another one in there, you have 12 teams, and you're good to go. That's the big question mark. If LIU doesn't pan out, if they struggle within the first few years but continue to struggle later on, what conference would want to admit them? 
And I think that's a question that you have to address. That let's say you don't really live up to your expectations five, six, seven years down the road. And you're like, well, great. What are we going to do now? Nobody wants to put us in a conference. And it, it would not surprise me in the slightest that they end up joining as an independent for the time being. And then you just go from there. It obviously depends on your success. Unless the ECAC wants to join, maybe. Hockey East, I wouldn't count on it. The only realistic expectation here is that you start as an independent. Maybe you start your schedule in 2021-2022. Because rumors are also flying that maybe they want to play as soon as this year. I find that to be a little bit crazy. Because... You announced your program a little less than two months ago. You're trying to get your players on campus so they can start training immediately. I'm all for it, and it's a tall, tall order, but you're crazy. You are crazy, and I'm all for it, but it's, you're crazy because it's going to take so much time. You got to get the kids on campus, you got to get them introduced to the coaching staff. You got to at least have somewhere to practice given the coronavirus pandemic right now. Not many rinks are going to be open for you guys to practice. Professional teams, yes, they're coming back, but it's going to be tough to come by to get space reserved. And college campuses plan on opening up in the fall, but it's going to be so tough. If you just come on campus in the end of August when classes start, your turnaround to starting the season is about six, seven weeks, maybe eight if you're lucky. Because college hockey starts first or second week of October, depending on how the schedule works out. And that's just, that's wild. Unless they do what Penn State and Arizona State did in their first seasons, where they had a half a year, half of their schedule was against ACHA opponents, and half of their schedule was against Division I programs. Maybe do a shortened season, a half and half, Maybe not play the full gamut of how 25 to 30 games. Maybe not do that, but go maybe inside the anywhere from 20 to 25 range, maybe pushing towards 20, just to get your feet wet, gain some money that these big-time schools want you to come in so that you're getting a big payday. Yes, you might get absolutely licked, but it's very comparable to what these group of five schools do to go play the Power Five in football that you get like a Kent State going to Penn State or Alabama, that, yeah, in all likelihood, you're probably going to get destroyed, but you're getting a good payday out of it. And that's the thing. you For these younger programs, got to sometimes lick your wounds, suck it up, and deal with, with playing these bigger-name schools so that you can get that money and you funnel it into the program and go from there, that you just build it up. Slowly but surely, you build it up. But... It's also an incentive that, yeah, you may be getting licked against these teams, but you're playing the best competition right from the jump. And quite frankly, I like that a lot. Penn State did it. Arizona State did it. Why can't LIU do it? And I think they will, and I think that's the best course of action to do so. And you can't have a team without players. And so far, the Sharks have 10 players in their recruiting cl- in their inaugural recruiting class. And Coach Riley I'm t- has been hitting the ground running already. That they have 10 players. So Nolan Welsh, Dane Dubois, Jordan DeSico, Madoka Suzuki, Marty Westhaver, 
Robert McCollum, Connor Sismal, Jacob Franzek, Preston Brodziak, Christian Rogic are their 10 players in the class. And they already have decent amount of forwards and two defensemen. So yeah, eight forwards, two defensemen so far. And some of the stats that these players have been putting up in their respective junior leagues, there is no doubt in my mind that once they get in there, these they, they will not have a problem scoring. Yes, it's going to take time to build up chemistry and all that stuff to get those guys bought into Coach Riley's system. But for Dane Dubois, Dane Dubois excuse me, 65 points, 28 goals, 37 assists. I mean, seriously, Madoka Suzuki, 27 goals, 32 assists. These guys don't have a problem with scoring. And Jordan DeSico on defense, he had 30 points this past season for the Brooks Bandits in the AJHL. 24 assists and 6 goals. But in the season before, he had 40 assists. When you have a defenseman that's sort of like a point guard that he brings up and gets the offense going back at the point, and once they go from there, and he has that sort of vision out there, that he can dish and dime to whoever's out there, that's that's huge. For a young program, you got to be able to score a little bit early. That's how you win games, and that's how you build foundation for success. That a lot of these guys, yes, they're going to be freshmen coming in, but it helps that these players already have a knack for scoring. That if you can get pucks on that early and pressure those opponents early, you're going to be all right. Your record may not indicate it, but there would be brighter days ahead. If they struggle in their first year, which in all likelihood they will, but they show flashes of what they can become, I think there's a lot of room for excitement, optimism, and just you, you, have, you sit there with a smile on your face like, you know, this is going to be really cool. I can't wait to see where this goes. And one of the players in Christian Rogic, you're adding veteran leadership to a team that is brand spanking new. Rogic transferred in from Alabama Huntsville after the program folded, but thank, thank you that they were able to bring it back a few days later with ungodly amounts of funding. I mean, holy, that was impressive what Huntsville was able to do in order to reinstate the program. Coach Mike Corbett, yes, was was removed. He resigned, whatever it was. Removed or resigned, I don't remember the exact word. But it was no hard feelings that he knew that there, at some point there was going to need to be a change, and he embraced it and knew, you know what? It's fine. But Rajik is a player that was second in points with 15. Yes, it's only 15, and he was one of the lone bright spots on a two-win Charger team last season. But he's a big play waiting to happen. And that's what this team needs. Veteran leadership is huge. He spent three years at Huntsville, has one more year of eligibility left. In all likelihood, will be granted immediate eligibility because it's a new program, I would think. But, you know, I'm not the NCAA who dictates those decisions. But I like this. And they just picked them up today. And today is June 26th. I thought this was an absolute home run. For Coach Riley and this team and this young program, that you were able to get a guy who struggled was on a t- not struggled he was on a team that struggled to find any real success in the WCHA for quite some time. That was a great D two program, and they just the tr- success just didn't translate over to D one because it's tough. It's tough to win at the Division one level, regardless when you make a transition. But this kid proves that. He's unselfish. He's got that it factor to him. 
and he's willing to take on a brand new challenge and be the veteran in the locker room for a team that's going to be majority all freshmen. And I would not be surprised if they utilize the transfer portal a little bit more this offseason. I like where this is going. And the offense, like I mentioned, is just wow. Like the stats that I mentioned are just these guys can put the puck in the net, and it's obvious that Riley's offensive philosophy is score, score, score. And the defense will come too. So you pick out two good defensemen already, and I like that. It's going to take time to get more people in there, get more defensemen. you got to fill out maybe a roster of 25 guys or so. So nonetheless, under two months, you have 10 players. That is a fantastic start because you got to start somewhere, and this is absolutely perfect that Coach Riley hit the ground running, and we are talking running. And I love it. I absolutely love it. There's still no goalie, too. That's not really a big period of concern for right now, considering how long they've been on the recruiting trail. But that go the goalie will come, probably add one or two in this class, and the defense will come, too. I'm not exactly worried. And what I find to be an interesting little tidbit of information, too, is Madoka Suzuki will be the third Japanese-born player alongside Lake Superior State's Yuki Miura and New Hampshire's Kohei Sato. So Miura was the first Japanese-born player like from the island of Japan to come over to the States and play on a North American college team. And he has had an extremely solid career in Sault Ste. Marie in the WCHA for the Lakers. He's been great. He's a two-way forward. He plays really, really well. Won't necessarily light up the statue but does a little bit of everything. And Suzuki is part of just, you know, a small number of players from a market that is non-traditional. Like Japanese hockey is on the rise and they compete in the IHF World Championships that they don't necessarily have the depth, but they've got some skill. They've got some good players. And it's growing in popularity and I think that those three players that playing at the Division 1 level that they're putting on a show for their hometown people. And it's a great, great thing that you're tapping into a market that is still raw in potential and players and in popularity. It's on the rise. And if you can get players from that small market to come over and make an impact, you're setting a foundation for the future too. And I think that's just super cool. So as a bit of a closer here, it's safe to say that the Sharks have their work cut out for them. And there's no other way to put it here. I, I say that so many times. There's no other way to put it. They have their work cut out for them, but they are willing to take on that challenge. And I think that takes guts. That you can say, yeah, we're not going to play this year. We'll wait till the 2021-2022 academic year and we'll, that'll be our first season. No. Coach Riley wants to get this thing on the ground running immediately. And yes, they have made good progress, but like I said, it is a long and grueling road ahead because you still have to find more players. You got to get your assistance. You got to find out where you're playing, and you got to schedule these programs too. That I would think a lot of these programs are trying to figure out what their scheduling is given the pa current pandemic, and they don't know when the season's going to start and whatnot. And through all of the questions too, having Long Island that now has a men's 
and women's team, it will pay dividends for the area, for the youth involvement in youth hockey, and just getting those younger people to go out to the games and see what it's like to have real, legitimate Division I hockey right in your own backyard in the New York City metropolitan area. That is a game changer. Because you're tapping into a market that you have the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils. The whole tri-state area, really. And then in Connecticut, you have Sacred Heart and Quinnipiac and Yale. That you're, this is the, it's almost the gateway to New England, too. That you add LIU to this, that it's up and coming, and you have established programs to the northeast of you. That is clutch. And if you can pull, schedule those teams. Oh, and UConn, too. If you can schedule Hockey East or ECAC up there. That is a game changer, and I think LIU will be a name that is not going to back down from anybody. They will schedule the big dogs of college hockey, give it all they've got, and go from there. And the kids in the area will buy into that. They're like, oh, this is cool. They're playing all these really, really big-time opponents as a first- or second-year program. I like that. I want to be a part of that. I want to go see their games. It's almost too easy at that point. And obviously, just being from Long Island, I love this move. Yes, it caught me by surprise, too. I'll be the first one to admit that I was sitting on my computer when I got the notification that they were creating a team. I was like, okay, where did this come from? But I love this idea. And like I said, hockey is pretty popular on Long Island and in New York. And if you can get those younger kids, those youth hockey players, to go to the games and see what it's like to have hockey in your own backyard, it is going to be a massive win for that university. And also, a little bit of a, uh, on a fun note, the color scheme of the Long Island University Sharks, like a bluish-yellow, like kind of like UCLA. I am so excited to see what those uniforms look like. Just I can t I know that they're they're blue ones. I know they're gonna have blue jerseys, and they are going to be so nice. And I could see the white ones being nice too. And I'm just curious as to what color helmet they're gonna wear. I wouldn't be shocked if it was a blue helmet, but you know we'll see. I'm very excited to see what those uniforms come out looking like, and they are going to be so clean and beautiful. And you know it, it might be up there as one of the top uniforms in the country. When the time comes, I, I cannot wait to see what these uniforms look like. So that'll do it for the first episode. Um, rambled on for almost 23 minutes at this point, so that was considered a win for me. So that'll do it for me here, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. And maybe I'll keep doing this if you guys want to hear more about this. I'll post it on uh, Twitter and SoundCloud, so if you guys are interested in want me wanting to do more of these about different programs and sort of giving my two cents on what the outlook for the season is, feel free to let me know and I will do them. So thanks again. We'll see you next time.